Sri Gauri Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai. Good evening, everyone. It's an honor to be here in Asheville and to be hosted here. I very much uh, appreciate the, the opportunity to uh, sit with all of you. And I understand that um, some of the students participating here had expressed some concerns uh, with regard to the nature of the world in the times in which we live and how there was, uh, as I understand it, uh, thinking that there's considerable flux at the times, uh, during our times, and how shall we remain kind of steady or uh, on firm ground in consideration of such. And um, I was asked if I could speak to that to some extent. So I'll try. And um, of course, the tendency at, at first from my perspective is to go to the core of the, the problem. Hmm? And uh, the nature of the question to some extent, um, and understandably, leads me to believe that many of us, most of us, are perhaps a little bit preoccupied with uh, what I would refer to more as kind of symptoms of a disease, if you will, without as much acquaintance with the disease itself. Hmm? Um, if we want to nourish the tree, then we will pour the water on the roots, not on each and every branch, each and every leaf. If we want to nourish the body, then we will make sure that the food goes to one place, the stomach, from where it will be distributed mystically uh, to every other part of the body. So the context being yoga, uh, as I say, we are, I'm, my 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 mind my my heart is taken to the uh, the, the, the disease, if you will, the cause, the, the 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 real the real underlying problem that material existence itself uh, constitutes. Nonetheless, at the same time. Um, it's understandable that everybody cannot uh, entirely relate to that, or if they can, theoretically, even. It's not so easy to go there and um, make a comprehensive solution to the whole problem. Although, with our Western mentality, we might want to think like that and just put it on a credit card <laughs> and uh, go there very quickly. Uh, we have to have some some standing, some wealth, some inner wealth, if you will, and and, and that's something acquired over long, long time, over lifetimes. Um, then again, we have to begin uh, somewhere. Some people think there are no problems, so <laughs> we feel there are some problems, and maybe there's some some hope for us, hmm? big problems. But superficially. Um, 
if you will, there are problems, and it does seem like we're in a troubled times of change and political uh, chaos and a lot of uh, distrust in leadership. Surprise, so many people came. <laughs> distrust in authority um, is quite, uh, quite common, and um, for good reasons, and nonetheless it's sometimes the scale tips and it becomes a little too much. Um, after all, if there are bad authorities, then there must be good authorities. If there are bad teachers, and there are plenty of them, there's a fair amount of misrepresentation. So misrepresentation is obviously uh, only possible if there's genuine representation. So we should be uh, not be hopeless in, in the face of poor leadership, um, and um, the various uh, crises that we experience, given uh, that leadership, for example, economic crisis, and people maybe lose their their jobs, lose their homes, and uh, and so these are genuinely, from a human uh, perspective, in here and the now, troublesome uh, to uh, to many of us. So again, the topic: how we get some balance in all of this, and and remain steady and not be taken over over the top, so to speak, and uh, uh, kind of cave in to, to the, uh, the, the whirling and swirling uh, environment and uh, the, what appears to be very, perhaps, um, uh, earth-shaking, if you will, times. The fact is the earth is shaking all the time, <laughs> of course, and in fact, it's going around at a pretty fast pace, as you know, all the time. It used to be thought, of course, that it was the center, hmm? and everything was moving around it. Hmm? As wrong as that is from one perspective, it, it didn't limit the amount of food or um, ability to mate and reproduce and um, have a roof over your head and and hopefully be concerned with uh, even more important things. Hmm? The things that will actually bring us stability and, um, and afford us firm ground to stand on. We looked out, if you will, and found out that everything's not orbiting around, all the planets are not orbiting around the Earth. They're, are they, what are they doing? Orbiting around the Sun, right? was this Copernican uh, revolution. It was an outward investigation into the nature of, of, of the world and um, uh, one that caused a, a huge uh, revolution. It gave birth to many uh, insights about the natural world, the forces that, 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 that govern it and so forth. And um, with the help of technology and some understanding of those forces, many things have been produced. I'm talking, of course, the scientific revolution and, uh, and whatnot, which caused, to a large extent in due course, that sense that there was an inner um, world to go to for peace and stability, ultimately, to be kind of pushed uh, to the background, if not out of the picture, and there was a big carrot, if you will, that 
we're just around the corner about to settle the whole thing here and get our feet on the ground to get a full meal, if you will, hmm? to know the whole thing. Hmm? Um, that means to control the whole thing. Hmm? This is, the, this is uh, really what, in one sense, material life is about. You've probably heard the Sanskrit word maya. Maya. That's a small word with the big implications. It has a number of meanings. Uh, the common meaning is maya, that which is not, so an illusion. But it also means to measure. Maya means to measure. And that is something that is not what we can actually do. <laughs> we cannot measure everything. In other words, measure means, what I mean by that is to bring it in the fist of our intellect and own it and, and control it. Hmm? We cannot control the whole thing. Hmm? We feel a little unstable because we want some sense of control. Uh, we want to get a grip on, on everything, and understandably. But this outward effort, if you will, for control and balance, um, this is uh, ultimately uh, not only futile, but it's, it's uh, counterproductive. Mm-hmm. And where will it end? Um, for that matter, this measuring attempt, if you will. Um, Looking again at the world of modern science, for example, that we have speaking about briefly. Yes, so so the Earth is moving around the Sun and other planets as well. And then we find out there are other planets besides those planets that that were thought of at the time of to, to be the only ones at the time of Copernicus. And hello, welcome. Hmm. Many planets and many galaxies and so on and so forth. So it's, it's, it's quite, uh, quite uh, vast. We have a finite perspective on that which is infinite. And how will we know, therefore, the infinite from the finite perspective? How can the finite know the infinite? It's kind of a mathematical... Uh, impossibility uh, at first it would appear how can the finite no no means I mean to control to measure to bring it in the, uh, under one's uh, uh, control how can one how can the finite know the infinite well there's a answer to that of course from kind of thinking outside of the box that is well if the infinite chooses to make itself known to the finite then that which is impossible from the finite perspective, of course, is not so from the perspective, the vantage point of the infinite. Hmm? So, there's a different way, I want to say, to approach the problem rather than outward going, as they say, go within or go without. Hmm? So, <laughs> To go without, or to go out, is to, go, is to be without. To, to, to look only outward, to solve the problem, to try to, the problem being that we're speaking about, we've been asked to speak about, how to get some firm ground to stand on, given the turbulent times in which we live. And I want to say in a broader sense, yes, our times are turbulent, but it's been that way for a long time. Hmm? And probably every generation feels that their times are the most turbulent, and they're probably right. Hmm? Uh, it's the nature of of the world, if you will. Hmm? And so to get a grip on that and steady it and control it and bring it into 
to, to, to afford firm ground to stand on, it, 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 to do this by outward reach, let's take, uh, speaking about science for a bit, take math, which is the, Einstein said, you know, where would we be without India? Because the number zero came from India, and you can't do math without India, without, <laughs> without well, there it is, without zero. Hmm? And, uh, and of course, um, without doing math, then we wouldn't have so many of the gizmos and the gadgets and the technologies, uh, uh, technological wonders and whatnot, uh, some good and some not so good, that we have today. So a debt, a tribute he paid in that sense to India, which, although, yes, it kind of found, or I don't know how you talk about it, the, the number zero discovered it, or I'm not a mathematician, but um, they had a pretty much at the time zero interest in, <laughs> in also in, in trying to control the whole affair and uh, of material existence and thereby afford some uh, stable uh, uh, ground uh, to stand on. Hmm? They had a different idea. They used, uh, of course, science. Of course, it's not a big thing. Everybody does science. I mean, everybody. You know, you, you touch the fire, it burns you. Then you, you made an experiment, you got the data, and you don't hopefully do it again. <laughs> so uh, it's a glorified, a controlled experiment is uh, um, something, but it's not the be-all and end-all of, of, of knowing. It doesn't take... Um, uh, a genius necessarily. Everyone does it to one extent or another. So what we're talking about, what we're interested in here, I think, in, in circles like this, is, is another way of finding uh, security, gr- firm ground to stand on. Hmm? And it's to go within. Rather than using and being preoccupied with a, a, a descriptive language like math that lends itself to controlling you're more concerned with uh, poetry, song, kirtan, hmm? these kind of uh, ways of knowing. Hmm? Poetry, uh, just to use uh, it as an example, a lot of the sacred texts um, of the Hindus are, of course, quite uh, poetic. Hmm? And I don't think that we should think that poetic descriptions of the natural world are less accurate than mathematical descriptions in as much as spiritual from a spiritual perspective trying to speak about the natural world from the vantage point that is to say of consciousness that I am consciousness that I am that which experiences and the natural world is that which is experienced matter wouldn't matter unless we mattered about it, I guess I want to say. If, you, if no one, if there was, if, if consciousness didn't, didn't care about matter, hmm? didn't know about matter, it would be unknown. Hmm? So who know, who, who's the carer? Who, who's the experiencer? Hmm? Um, that's not part of matter. That's, that doesn't. Come, that's very different from matter. Hmm? Extremely different. It's there's nothing in matter that resembles experience. We can try to posit, addicted as we may be to trying to control by the outward effort that I'm speaking about to some extent, addicted to the 
to the prospect of just a little more and to the carrot of material existence that I'll get a full meal when indeed we only get indigestion by acquisition and trying to control it ends up only with indigestion but we, 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 we push on in that way and religion is, of course in many respects uh, given the, the, the genuine spiritual pursuit a bad, bad name also positing so much superstitious thinking and, and conflating cultural baggage with uh, essential spirituality and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and it's uh, full of misrepresentation. And, you know, India has more bogus gurus per capita than anywhere in the world. <laughs> so um, a lot of them over here too, I guess. Uh, uh, back to that problem with authority. Um, uh, so, uh, at any rate, to to uh, to look at the world from the vantage point of consciousness, with the idea, at least theoretically, if not experientially, that consciousness is what I'm constituted of, and I'm different. It's different from matter. It's not reducible to matter. Some people would like to continue to think that that. It's so difficult to control consciousness, to, de- to understand consciousness, it's impossible to define consciousness. Because when we define things, how do we do that? We define a thing by comparing it to another thing. And not only is there nothing like consciousness, uh, consciousness is not a thing. The best things in life are not things, and it's us. Hmm? We are a unit of that stuff, if you will. First-person experiential reality. Hmm? And it is what gives meaning to the natural world, gives value to it, hmm? and so forth. So when we are looking at the natural world, from that perspective, we have, if you will, an objective side to life and a subjective side. By objective, I mean the natural world of things and forces, nuclear, uh, what do they say, Um, strong and weak nuclear force, electromagnetism, gravity, these are the the four basic forces of the physical world. Hmm? So the, the physical forces, physical things, and so forth. and there are no hard bodies out there. That's another thing. And e- even the science will tell us that. Mm-hmm. What are the things? Uh, but anyway, that's one side, and consciousness is the other side. These two together kind of make up the world. The experiencer and the experienced. Mm-hmm. This is a dualistic viewpoint. Yoga is dualistic. If you study Patanjali, you can understand. If you study the Gita, mm-hmm. also you can understand. But dualistic in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. It's a monistic uh, dualism, if you will. That's what we call love. Love is a monistic dualism. Because in love, you and I become we. You're still there, and I'm still there. There's still the two of us. You take my heart and, I, and give me your heart. We exchange hearts. So whatever, whatever your heart beats for, that becomes my heart. Whatever my heart beats for, that becomes your heart. This is a union hmm, in which the 
individuality is maintained. But it's a very interesting individuality. Your individuality becomes mine, and my individuality becomes yours. Hmm? This is a certain type of union uh, that comes that arises out of a certain type of yoga. We call that bhakti. Hmm? After all, that is yoga of love. So there have to be two to love. Then the two have to become one, but not in a way that one cancels out the other and there's nobody else and there's just one. Om, shanti, shanti, shanti. It's not a bad idea, but there might be more to the inner world of consciousness than that. It's certainly peaceful. Hmm? It certainly affords, not only does it afford firm ground to stand on. Hmm? Uh, Paul Tillich, you may know him, theologian, times gone by, he coined the phrase, the ground of being. I think he was a Catholic. Catholic? Maybe a Protestant. <laughs> yeah. The ground of being. It's, uh, it's kind of a nice way of speaking about what we speak about when we speak of consciousness being the underlying foundation of existence that we try to go to when we go within. So not only do we stand on that, we are made of that. Uh, so to go from a world that is troublesome and changing and hard to get your feet on the ground, this is material existence in general. After all, if we take, then if we take from someone, then we owe. Hmm? So, uh, in order to maintain our material sense of self, our conventional egoic sense of self, that I'm a North Carolinian, no, I'm a South Carolinian, <laughs> or I'm Californian, or American. Indian, man or woman, Catholic, Hindu, these are all uh, what I would refer to as a, a, what constitutes the conventional sense of self, and uh, the, uh, the a sense of self that is largely arises out of our sense of what is mine, ours. Follow me, if you will, a moment. Our I materially speaking, our sense of I is defined by our sense of my. Two, very small word, my, very big problem. Hmm? Because it's my town, you understand? It's my state. Hmm? If my wife, my daughter, my uh, husband, my partner, my children, my country, my car, hmm? My cigarettes, I don't smoke, and probably most of you don't either, but when I was a kid, I remember those Marlboro commercials with that guy. He didn't cough, but that came later. <laughs> you know, to be a Marlboro man, you got to ride on a horse, and you know, you're a rugged individual, and so forth. So, so, you know, whatever was your my, whatever is your my, that is your I. So what kind of I is that? <coughs> you want firm ground to stand on. Who are you? What are you? The I itself. 
that is derived from your sense of my. Nothing really belongs to us. What is that I? Hmm? You understand? All of our sense of my is illusory. Hmm? The time tells us this. It's rented at best. And there's no, you know, there's no renter's rights either. You can't go to appeal when it comes time for eviction. Hmm? This ayur harati vai pum samudyanastam chayonaso. Such a nice poem. Ayur harati vai pum samudyanastam chayonaso. I'm saying from the perspective of consciousness and uh, uh, dwelling there experientially knowing hmm, that you are an enduring unit of being. Hmm? This is the end of all fear. This is the end of all anxiety. We don't know the extent to which we exist. Therefore, we, we're afraid. Therefore, we're troubled. Therefore, we're busy trying to add things onto our lives to protect ourselves, to give us some, build a fence around, to get some, uh, some security. Ayurharati hmm? sum. This is a poetic way of speaking about the world, no doubt. I wanted to say, and I have been saying, to speak about the world poetically from a spiritual perspective is not to speak about it in a less definitive way than to speak about it from a scientific perspective or a mathematical perspective. Hmm? Those who have experience that consciousness is not reducible to matter and therefore it is not subject to the confines of time and space, that means it's enduring. It always has been, it always will be. Those who, have, who stand on that ground identify themselves with that ground of being. Hmm? If from there they're to speak about the natural world, the objective world, they're going to speak about it differently than if we speak about it without that experience. Hmm? And in, a, in, a, in an effort to get firm ground to stand on, we try to manipulate and control the world to one extent or another. So here's a poetic statement. It's from the Bhagavad, the sequel to the Gita. Some of you may be familiar with Bhagavad Gita. Such a beautiful text. Krishna speaks the Gita. This is one thing he did. Hmm? The Bhagavad speaks about the, so, the, kind of the life of, a day in the life of Bhagwan, hmm? Krishna. Anyway, very profound and very poetic. It says, Ayur Harati. You know Ayur, Ayur, Ayurved. Hmm? Form of medicine, a little popular in uh, contemporary spiritual uh, community from India. Ayurved. Ayur means life. So Ayur Harati. Harati means, means to take away. Hmm? The name Hari is a name for God. It comes from the same root. It means to take away, to steal take away. One side of it is God is taking everything away. You think, that's not very nice. <laughs> that's not very nice, but that's uh, you know, kind of a tough tough love, if you will. It doesn't belong to you. You're forming an I based on a false sense of mind that can't endure. Hmm? So, at least in the form of time, the hand of God, Hari, taking everything away. The high side of the name, of course, is when you understand that, nothing belongs to me. The best way to understand that is to understand to whom it does belong. Knowledge of proprietorship takes away 
from an honest person, the tendency to own a thing for themselves. Hmm? If you want to overcome the tendency to exploit, to take, uh, and, and to, to, to own and control, arguably the best way is to locate who's actually in control. Hmm? That's the easy way. Hmm? There's a nice statement before I go on with this other one. Krishna says in the Gita, what is that? You were speaking on this the other night. How does that begin? Bhuktaram Jagatapasam Sarvaloka Maheshwaram Krishna says, Bhuktaram Jagatapasam Everything meant for me. Hmm? Everything belongs to me. Now, he's basically saying, nothing belongs to you. That sounds a little draconian, a little, a little, uh, a little autocratic and uh, okay. It, but then he says, Suridam if you accept this, what I'm saying, it's just a fact. He says, what can I say? That's my position. If you accept it, however, then you become my friend. So suddenly you're thinking, I own nothing. Nothing belongs to me. I can control nothing. What is my position? You become accepting that, which is a fact. You become the friend of the person who owns everything and controls everything. That's a very good position to be in. And you don't have to struggle. Hmm? This is the idea of bhakti. Hmm? He says, You can get peace from this. He is like that stomach I talked about. The center, you see, hmm? that supports the circumference. Hmm? It supports the circumference. So from the circumference we give to the center. And the, the circumference is supported. So the center, while a taker, is at the same time a giver hmm, in a way that no one else can be. Someone told one of my students uh, some time back, he was speaking, one of my students was speaking with a fellow, and he said, in our religion, hmm, we have a better idea of God than yours. Okay, maybe you do. He, he said, because in our religion, he said, um, our God is the epitome of sacrifice. He was speaking about Christ. Christ who was you know, depicted as the sacrifice, giving the big sacrifice for human society and so forth. In your God, he's speaking about Krishna. Well, he's an enjoyer. You may have seen, you know, Krishna's just playing the flute and he, has, he doesn't have four heads, he doesn't have five heads, he doesn't have arms and weapons and uh, he just like <coughs> kicking back so to speak you know he just um, just playing that's all lilamoe lila purushottam just full of play that's all hmm? of course what is that play hmm? we have to think about that for a moment but I said I will I said well you, you should say this to him that Yes, Christ embodies a very powerful form or metaphor for sacrifice. Hmm? And love is born out of sacrifice. Hmm? Love is about giving. Hmm? And, um, but if there's a giver, there has to be someone to give to. Hmm? So how would the one who is, being, who is the center that is being given to be depicted then, not as a sacrificer, hmm? but as an enjoyer, as a lover. Hmm? Krishna is depicted as a lover, as a kind of playboy, 
in a sense. Uh, um, but, because a lot of philosophy that underlies that, a lot of theology that underlies that theological person who becomes a real person in bhava, in ecstasy, in the ecstasy of yoga, bhakti, the theological person, Krishna, becomes a real person. And the, the person you thought was real yourself, that, he, that I, uh, that's made up of my, that is gone, that is dissolved hmm? altogether. Hmm? We move from the plane of karma to the, to the realm of lila. Karma means you do things because you have to. Why do you have to? Because you took and now you owe. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Hmm? Karma is the plane of taking. Hmm? And in order to maintain the sense of I, derived from our false sense of my, we have to take. We have to exploit. It doesn't matter how politically correct we try to become, hmm? or how psychologically well we become adjusted and balanced and so forth, and honor other people for who they are and so forth, unless you go to the ground of being and dissolve the very I that's derived from your sense of my, you cannot be a lover in the full sense of the term. You cannot be a giver in the full sense of the term. You cannot turn the other cheek hmm? consistently, hmm? happily. Hmm? What wealth lies there hmm? in that subjective realm, in plumbing the depths of consciousness? Hmm? Karma is one thing. We are hunters and we are hunted. Hmm? You have to kill in order to live, in order to preserve that sense of I. You have to be a taker. We are all, this is our predicament, we're all taking. We're making the world problematic. Hmm? We can do it in a soft way or in a hard way and with blue-collar criminals or we can be white-collar criminals. Hmm? Or we can be yogins. Hmm? Hmm. This, is, this is to withdraw from, from taking altogether. Hmm? And when the full experience of yoga has arrived at, hmm? I want to say, the full, the heart of yoga, this is bhakti. You know, you have jnana yoga, karma yoga. So we have, we do, we, we have a body, we have arms and legs, we have a head, and we have a heart. You tell me which is more important. Hmm? You tell me which is more comprehensive. If I could control you by my body, You'd know I was in control if I tied you up. Hmm? If I could control you by my mind, by psychologically intimidating you and manipulating you and, and so forth, you might not know it as much. You might need a psychologist to tell you, you've got to get out of there. That's a bad relationship. Hmm? More subtle. Hmm? We can control by the body, we can control by the mind, or we can control by the heart. Hmm? The only one that's beautiful it will be controlled by the heart. Hmm? That's beautiful. How do you control by the heart? Hmm? This idea of Krishna. This is what the sages are saying when they speak of Krishna. Controlling by the heart. I said Krishna is only playing. You see him depicted in the Leela, only playing. So, he doesn't have like, he's not meditating to get inner power to control or the Brahma is depicted with four heads. He's a pretty good manager. He sees, you know, on all sides and and, and, and so forth. And Krishna's just playing his flute. In fact, he's, he's sometimes picking the clover and saying about Radha, she loves me, she loves me not. She lo- he seems confused. Hmm? What kind of idea is that? 
point is this. To play, you have to have power. Think about it. If you want to take a vacation, you have to have some money in the bank. Your job has to say, okay, you can have some time off. You have some power. You've, you've. So who's only playing is all-powerful. And what does all-powerful mean? All-controlling. And what does it mean to be comprehensively, to comprehensively control? Not by body, by physical force. Not by mental uh, manipulation, but by the heart. That kind of controlling, by affection. If I can control you by affection, by love, I won't even appear as a controller at all. Therefore, Krishna doesn't... You may think, Krishna's everything? What? I mean, he's... Uh, he, he's actually controlled the idea this, the, the sages have envisioned in bhakti this, uh, they're trying to depict that which is controlling everything and they say the force by which that controlling is going on is affection it takes the controlling you know the negative ideas about being controlled out so to speak it dispenses with them hmm? if you control by love the wonderful thing is that you you end, you end up being controlled by love also hmm? You understand? Krishna means Brahman, the absolute, the ground of being, controlled by bhakti, by love. After all, think of it like this. That which is everywhere, Brahman, I'm talking about consciousness that underlies the whole of material existence, out of which material forms come and go, here today, gone tomorrow. That's that whirling world of problems that we're trying to get some shelter from the wind of the storm of that and get firm ground to stand on and so forth. Hmm? That's arising out of, out of the sea of consciousness. This Brahman is everywhere, all-pervading. Now, my point is this. If something is everywhere, how can it move? Where is there to go? You're already everywhere. Hmm? And Krishna is depicted in Leela, moving. That is Brahman, that ground of being. Moving, this is a very uh, counterintuitive, perhaps, huh? but think about it. Hmm? Who knows everything? You think, that sounds good, but it might be boring. To know everything might be boring. What do we do? <laughs> I know everything. So, <laughs> I know everything that's going to, I mean, it takes the whole excitement out of life. So, then what do you do? If, if you were in such a position, I would posit that you would play. Hmm? You would pretend hmm? that you don't know. And when Brahman plays as if he doesn't know, he plays really hard, really good. Hmm? This is what we call Krishna, and Krishna doesn't know. Hmm? Krishna doesn't know. In the, hand, in, the, in the embrace of Radha, he doesn't know. Hmm? That he's the object of every yogi's med- you know, meditation, and so many, and so on. And so, his omniscience is is repressed, so to speak, to the background. And this is very beautiful. Think about it, because we talked about the finite and the infinite. If the finite is to get close to the infinite, the infinite is going to have to take make appear somewhat finite in order for that intimacy to be possible. In other words, if I was to say to you and I'm not, I'm God. You, and you believe me, you might go, oh, wow, and kind of like push back a little bit 
and, you know, and, uh, and show some reverence. We create some distance. I would become the worshipable object, you would be the worshiper, and there would be a, a gap between us that is, that is somewhat bridged by worship with reverence and awe. And there are forms of Brahman, of Bhagwan, that foster that type of reverential love. But when we speak of Krishna, it's a different idea. If we want to have intimate union with the Absolute, we want to change hearts with God, like I was saying earlier. Hmm? That infinite is going to have to take on a finite-like appearance in order for that intimacy to be possible. Otherwise, in the face of the infinite, we'll feel what it means to be finite. Hmm? How small we are. How, how tiny. Hmm? How helpless. How dependent. It's a good thing, actually. Hmm? In the small world of our mind, we stay there because it, it allows us to think we're big. The world of our mind is that world informed by impressions gathered by the senses. Hot, cold, good, bad, happy, sad. Hmm? Is it hot or is it cold in here? Well, for you it may be hot, for me it may be cold. So which is it? We're at odds. Hmm? The world of the mind informed by these uh, sense perceptions creates an unhealthy duality. Hmm? that doesn't afford us a real perception of the nature of being. Is it hot or is it cold, or is it neither of those? Hmm? That's a perception, right, gathered by the senses. And that perception is then kind of processed by the mind. And it's, again, this is part of the forming of that I, that false I. I think it's cold. I, I'm happy. I'm sad, based on certain sensual impressions and so forth. This small world of the mind is very uncomfortable. But we think that everybody should live in it and be comfortable. <laughs> if only everyone would agree with me, there would be no problems. But, but even the, that world of my mind is even uncomfortable for me, how unreasonable it is to expect everyone else to live there comfortably. We're very unreasonable in material existence. So to come out from that world of the mind, we are allowed to think we are big and important and a mover and a shaker or whatever. Hmm? And everybody does, of course, have the, the biggest ego, so to speak, but all of us are thinking we're bigger than, than we are. Uh, but to come out of that is to see how small you are, how small. But what also comes into view is the one that's big. And, and it's a friendly one. So it's okay to be small. You are small. Hmm? If, if we were to give, if all of us were to give all of our love and devotion to any, any one, this is the problem. If you want to give unlimitedly, you have to find a source that can take unlimitedly. We tend to give, we, you know, we get that, uh, but then we don't know always where to give in such a way that we can actually give without uh, condition. We have to find a center that can take entirely. Hmm? This is what the sages are, depict, are talking about when they speak of Krishna, a center that can take completely and take and redistribute everything. Hmm? So we want to go from the world of karma, the world of taking through giving, hmm? properly centered into the world of lila, the world of play. Hmm? And 
go back to that poem, Ayur Harati Vaipumsa From that perspective, when the yogins speak about the natural world, the physical world, the material world, they speak about it poetically and they want to say to us something very pertinent, hmm? something that will give us negative impetus to move in a positive direction. I can speak about and give positive impetus for going to the other side. Hmm? I've done it a little bit. It sounds a little charming. Hmm? That the finite and the infinite have a union in love and all these things. It's poetic and beautiful. Of course, now then we have to start talking about how to go there. That's when everybody has something else to do. Hmm? Something else to do. But remember, we said that love is born from the womb of sacrifice. So don't shy away from that. Hmm? But we can also speak about going there by way of uh, affording negative impetus. And we can do that beautifully also. And I cited a poem from the Bhagavad that does it. Ayur Harati by Pumsam. So it says, Ayur, your life, Harati, Pumsam. The life of all beings is being taken away. Ayur Harati by Pumsam Ujjanastan Chayanaso. With the rising and the setting of the sun, your life is, as you know it is being taken away. I said, oh, God, that sounds pretty. Yeah, we got to think about that. Hmm. The, they're saying, in other words, the rishi, the sage, the yogin is looking at the world, at the sun, and he's thinking, Ayurharati. Every day this, this, this sun comes up, rises across the sky. What could be a more profound uh, happening daily? It's such a huge, what if it didn't come up one day? Would that be news? Could you read the news without the light? Hmm? But we take it for granted it's coming up and we don't, we don't think about its significance. But from there, from the yogic perspective, she thinks, hmm, yes, every day it's going across the sky like big things, such a big thing is happening. What is it saying? It's saying your life as you know it, you're going to keep it. Hmm? Wow, that's a huge statement that the natural world is making. A huge statement to us. Huge. We would just listen to that. We'd have so much impetus. Well, I've got to do something about that. Hmm? What you like? This, I'm on death row. I've got to sell and a sentence. Hmm? This I, I cannot keep it. Hmm? How I, I, so someone say, well, wait a minute, Swami. Actually, the sun is not really going across the sky like that. But actually the earth is going around like this and it only looks like the sun and, I'm, and I say, no, you're dying. <laughs> this is what we're saying. You're dying. <laughs> this is just a way of speaking about it. And speaking about, not concerned necessarily with all the details of how, the, in, in great detail, how matter works so that we might manipulate it and get another hope that I could control the whole thing or I could, as I say, get a full meal from interacting with matter. We're not talking about it. We've already figured out that's maya. Hmm? To try to measure like that and bring it under control, that's not possible. Hmm? Even in the scientific community today, they say, and for, for several decades now, was it Heisenberg, he said that what? We don't really investigate the nature of 
matter, but we investigate the nature of our experience of matter only. Hmm? So we cannot measure the whole thing. We cannot bring it under control. Hmm? Uh, to step back from that, the verse goes on to say, Tasyati Achanonitutumasloguvarti. But the one who's always speaking about these topics, that person doesn't die. Who's my becomes the Godhead. Hmm? He's mine. God is mine. I belong to God. God belongs to me. We belong to one another. That person doesn't die. That I, the I that comes out of that, that is very beautiful. Hmm? That I has the capacity to love all things at all times, in all space and beyond. Hmm? Does yoga have any value? <laughs> uh, you think about that. Uh, does the yoga have any value? If it brings you to this sensibility, hmm? uh, in, in the, this is the only beginning, Krishna says in the Gita. The yogin feels the sufferings of others as if they were his own. He's gone to the ground of being and she feels hmm? no, 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 I want to say material difference between uh, uh, our, myself and another. We have something in common. We are of the nature of consciousness. Hmm? So, it's a beautiful idea and uh, of course yoga is a, is, 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 is a method for going there and we come from a particular tradition of, of, of bhakti yoga, yoga of, of love. But as I said earlier, and I'll try to conclude with this, um, um, it's nice to talk about these things and, but what, what do we do next? I mean, it, we're talking about making a comprehensive solution to the problem of the world being that I can't really, it's kind of like changing all the time. It's, uh, it's like musical chairs and one day you're out. And I can't get, uh, it's, it's the constant, uh, we live in a um, seismic uh, region, zone. The earth is quaking. Hmm? Because the foundation that I've built my existence on is false. Nothing belongs to me. The very I that I have arrived at is problematic. Hmm? So great, what do I do now? Hmm? So now give up everything, I guess. Well, I guess I should. I don't own anything. I went, I heard at the center, you know, I don't own anything. It resonated with me. I'm going to now destroy this false eye and uh, what do I do? Go to the flea market or get on Craigslist or something? <laughs> Sell everything? Yeah, no, it's, obviously that's not going to work. Um, so we have to kind of go about it um, somewhat gradually but somewhat system, but systematically at the same time. Hmm? So, what, what, is, what does it mean to go about it systematically? Hmm? To go about it, you can resonate with these ideas. I mean, these are, I'm not saying anything you haven't heard or heard it differently or partially. Or, uh, it's not, and it's not mine. You know, this is, we are all, this belongs to all of us. Hmm? Hmm? How do we arrive at the experience of what we're talking about? We have a sentiment for it. We have some identification with it. We have some faith for it, towards it. We we listen to someone like myself speak like this, and we kind of filter it through our intellect, and we let some things go down, and maybe other things not, and kind of holding it in our head, and maybe something goes in. Uh, but if there's more than just words and a logical, this is a logical arrangement of my feelings my experience. Hmm? 
even if you don't understand it. <laughs> I'm sharing my experience. There will be some samskara from this. This is how you get, this is what's called sadhu sangha. You will get some tendency, some inclination toward these things that it will build in time. The, the, the thoughts, the, such explanations which are always limited and fail to com- comprehensively grasp that which is beyond mind, beyond words, but we have, are forced to speak about it and think about it if we've gone and experienced it. Hmm? To go within and come out and speak about it. Oh, that is, a, that is consuming. Hmm? That, will, that will take you back in. <laughs> Just trying to speak about that. It will control the mind so much that you go within. You have to be quiet again. Hmm? So this is being shared. This is what we call sadhusanga. Hmm? This will accumulate over time. Hmm? Our idea is that everyone sit here. Hmm? This is the idea. Uh, we, we look not for students, but for gurus. Hmm? Who's really a guru? Thinks the students are gurus. And they are. You're learning from them. Because the subject is such that in this field, they are all students forever. Hmm? They will never change. Hmm? I tell you frankly, if we sit like this you know, and, and, and talk and I say things that I never said before. Thoughts come, ways of talking about this experience. So I learned that you're helping me. Hmm? I'm coming to a certain point here. What is the point I'm coming to? That if we want to go in this direction, we have some feeling for that. We should think about going in a systematic way. What is a systematic way? That means we need something very heavy in our life. And the talk was about standing on firm ground and not being blown by the wind of the changes in the world that are coming now, now you know, it's the Republicans, now it's the Democrats, or now it's, uh, now I own a house, now I've got to sell a house, and, and I, now I lost my job, and my son didn't turn out the way I wanted him to be, or whatever. <laughs> I, I loved him and he turned into a, you know, a couch potato and he just had no feelings or whatever. Uh, it became my you know, nightmare. It's not any different than a dream. In a dream, you embrace a, a, a prince and he becomes a, a monster. It just takes a little longer in, in the waking state for such things to happen. It's in flux. It's, uh, so, again, how do we get some, some, some firm ground to stand on? We need to be weighted down. We need some weight. Don't hmm? be blown by the winds of, 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 of material existence, the coming and going, which is the very nature of the, of the, of, of the, of the domain. Here's a day, gone tomorrow. Hmm? The Gita says a nice thing. Krishna says, Dukalayama Shashvatam. The whole thing is summed up. He told Arjun, the world, nature of the world is this, Dukalayam Ashashvatam. Dukha means suffering, like the Buddha said. Hmm? The nature of the world is that it's f- full of suffering. So it's as if Arjuna was thinking, well, wait a minute, I kind of like it. You say it's suffering, but I kind of like a lot of the things here. There's some suffering, but some things I like. And Krishna says, ashashvatam. It's temporary. The more you like it, <laughs> the bigger the problem it is. You understand? The more you like it, and you cannot keep it. Hmm? Therefore, it is said in the Gita also, misery, this is very Buddhistic actually, that it, it's suffering, 
dukkha yonai vate, attachment to objects of senses, that my is the womb from which suffering takes birth. I said earlier, letting go of the things, sacrificing. Hmm? And the I that's based on identification with things, this is the womb from which love is born. Hmm? So, what is that heavy thing then to bring in our life? That, it means, that is what is meant by guru. Guru means literally heavy. Hmm? Heavy. Heavy with, with knowledge. If we get that kind of guidance in our life, hmm? we can be grounded. Hmm? That real guru will never be blown by the winds of the world of, of, of things and thoughts. Hmm? That, that, and that good now, it, it sounds heavy too. Heavy. You know, we're back to that authority problem and that I understand it. Hmm? But I say these things to you because I have a guru. Hmm? That has been my experience. Having a guru, a real guru, this is heavy in a good way. And what is that? Uh, guru is lagu. Who is guru is lagu. Guru means heavy. Lagu means light. Hmm? It's a very uh, bewildering idea. Who is heavy is light. So it means, whose light means who lives in the world without taking from it. Hmm? He or she is not a burden to the world, not a taker. Hmm? He's light, she's light. Hmm? That lightness can bring weight to our life that we might not be taken away by the current of the world hmm? in such good company. Hmm? And I want to say this also, that idea of guru is not some external uh, imposition. Hmm? Why? What does that mean? It means when we meet our guru, hmm? when our guru is sent to us, then our experience is that he or she speaks in such a way that it says, they say, what I feel. Yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> that's how I feel. I couldn't quite say it like that, but that, yeah. Hmm? Therefore it said, Guru is within. Hmm? But Guru manifests without, in a shape hmm? that, that speaks to me about all that I, can, I could be and exemplifies in such a way that it makes it easy for me to follow and practice. If you have, a, if you have an example, it speaks louder than precept, right? Guru should have the precept, but the example also, living the precept, hmm? that makes it easy for us to follow. Hmm? And what is a guru? A guru is a follower. In bhakti, <laughs> Guru is whose guru is servant. Somebody says, "Can can can I be the guru too?" You sure? Come on, go, go for it. Hmm? You have to you have to give now. Hmm? You have to give. You have to serve. Yeah. Who can serve best? Can teach. Who can love? Hmm? Can teach love. Can well, you can't teach love, but you can exemplify love in a way that would be compelling. Did hmm? we want to become lovers also? Hmm? So. Hmm, this is very close to us, actually. God is in the heart. Hmm? But we're living in the mind, and it kind of drowns out 
the heart. You know, everybody knows at times that such and such is not good for me, but we do it anyway. Hmm? Not sometimes, pretty much all the time. <laughs> this is the problem. <laughs> this is the problem. So how to make that amplify that voice within that knowing that this isn't right. This is the idea of Guru. You come outside and amplify it so that you cannot get away from it, corner you in, in, in so many ways. Your, your real self-interest is this. And exemplify that also. So to bring this weight, if you will, into our life, this then will, will ground us in a stage where we're unable to actually make wholesale a comprehensive solution to give up everything to 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 let, to let go to become a lover in the full sense of the term term these are not easy things to do given our our background our past eons of taking and in in, in so many different species of life and so we're conditioned in a particular way habituated hmm? so to come out of that human life is the opportunity to do that it's wow we live in human time it's it's so Extraordinary! What a valuable opportunity! See if we can combine that opportunity of human life with sadhu sangha, then we have the adequate boat to cross over the ocean of material existence, and uh, uh, without uh, without return. Hmm? Uh, this is so something about being. I want to say, grounded, to have firm ground is the topic which I was asked to speak on, to stand on. While we cannot go to the... immediately make the solution, to, to, to know enough, to want to enough, to know that I need help in this. This is a huge task. There's no bigger task. And I should take all the help I can get. This kind of feeling... This will make us predisposed then to, for, for the response to come. Hmm? There's a story, and I'll end with this, the Bhagwat, the sequel to the Gita, the king, the Raj Parikshit. He was cursed to die in seven days. Hmm? He went to the bank of the Ganges, he sat, and he asked, what should one do at the time of death? What should one do in one's life? What's the best thing one should do with, in one's life in general, and particularly at the time of death? He had a great necessity, and all kinds of people came to give offer answers. Hmm? And then the naked boy, Sukadev, the 16-year-old boy, he walked in <coughs> naked, and everybody stood up and they thought, the answer will come from him. Hmm? He doesn't have any. He, he, he doesn't even have clothes. <laughs> he needs nothing. He's living in another, you know, in another world. Hmm? Hmm. Hmm. And Sukadev spoke the Bhagavat. The point is the necessity of the king. The king had a necessity. Hmm? He had a necessity, and so the, the environment responded to the necessity. Hmm? And now, if we could really understand the measure of our necessity we would be just banging on doors looking for help. It's huge. The karmic implications of our life are huge. It's something like maxing out on your credit card and you have you only have enough money from your paycheck to pay the bills for things that you've already bought and are now broken. 
and, 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 and you can't stand anymore. Hmm? You have no life. You're simply working to pay for largely mistakes you've, you've made in the past. So what do you do? You go to the court and you get some bankruptcy protection, hmm? something like that. You get an attorney protects you. So you, you live within certain parameters and you can have some money to spend for yourself. Hmm? And a little bit you pay the creditors at the same time. Hmm? This, is the, this, is, this is the idea of having a guru. Hmm? We have no life of our own. Free will is lost practically for all intents and purposes in the karmic implication. You've acted in such a way that in your next life you've created a tendency to act in the same way again and again and again. Even though there is a choice that's presented to you, your capacity to make the right, a different choice is inhibited by the fact that you've made a choice in the past and developed a tendency to make that choice again. Nature is taking over. You're the viewer, just like the viewer is required for turning on the television, but the television has taken over your life. No choice. Someone has to come and say, get up, you've got a life. Turn that thing off. Hmm? You don't have to live in a virtual world, because the real world is bigger. Hmm? Hmm? So to come out of this karmic implication is, is no small task. Help for this. This is very wanted, very desirable. Search for it, we should. And what tools will we use? Hmm? We have only our sincerity to use. You have to cry for this. Yoga is about crying. <laughs> this is really it, it really is an exercise of the heart yoga hmm? and you see how it's atrophied how difficult it is for us to do that hmm? Hmm. the more we can be if we can be encouraged to, to do this to grow it, this this will foster help this will bring help hmm? there's a course the king had a necessity and the world world responded. Hmm? The boy came, instructed him. Hmm? He told him how to solve the death problem. Hmm? That's what we're teaching. That's what yoga is about. How to stop dying. Hmm? So, it's a, it's, a, it's relevant. <laughs> it's a relevant topic. This isn't something from old books of the past that have no no value. The subject is consciousness. What is the nature of consciousness? The nature of being. Hmm? And I thank you for uh, for helping me to speak about that. Are there any questions? No, you don't have to sell anything. You, <laughs> you'll just buy something else with the money anyway. Um, you, <laughs> you, you have to give it away. <laughs> you have to give, no, uh, you have. You don't. The, you we don't have to. Here's what you have to give up. 
You have to give up the sense that it belongs to you. Then you can keep it. Hmm? But then, how to do that, as I said, we arrive at by understanding to whom it does belong hmm? and using it for that. Just like, for example, um, I'm an author. Some of you may have read my book, so I, I write on a computer. So I have a computer. Hmm? I confess. But, <laughs> but I have it, but it's not mine. <laughs> I don't use it for that small, small conventional sense of I. I use it for a different purpose. Hmm? Uh, in another way, this is a studio. There's another building across the street. It's made of the same stuff, but something else is going on in here. It's different. So we don't have to tear down the building. We just have to kind of jack it up and change the foundation a little bit. That's a big task, no doubt. Jack up the building and change the foundation. But, um, but so, mm, um, this is so with bhakti, not with a gyan. With a gyan, you have to go naked. That's true. And you, fasting and so forth. And, uh, it's very uh, extreme. That's why bhakti is considered a very user-friendly path because it involves, we're involved sensually with the world. In bhakti, you can be involved sensually with the world but not involved at the same time. Hmm? You can even shop. <laughs> uh, just like the devotees in bhakti may they make altar of Krishna, and so they go shopping for the altar to get some vase, to, to put a flower and uh, uh, something like this. And so they're, they're doing the same thing hmm, that the other person is, but they're hopefully yeah, in, a, in, a, in a very different um, motive behind that, a consciousness behind it. So there's a way of interacting with the world and not becoming implicated in it. Hmm? That's an art. So some guidance in that will be useful. Hmm? So, the core then, as I say, of giving up means to give up the f- sense that it's yours, and then what? And then you have to th- rethink what I am. Hmm? Little philosophy helps, and then, of course, then there are the direct spiritual practices, like in Bhakti tradition. Of course, we do nam, nam japa, hmm? yeah, rosary, like this meditation, other type of meditation. Kirtan, of course, is very powerful. Hmm? And um, it's just a, it's just a social, uh, sp- spiritual gathering here. So you don't have to go live in the forest, although I do, and I recommend it, but uh, it's nice. Uh, we have a nice, um, incidentally, um, what would you call it, community? We're developing in, in Rutherford County, a little, little south of here, about 100 and... Uh, acres or and growing there and growing things there too. We have a dairy. We have a hymns a dairy. You know hymns a dairy. We we have a sustainable dairy that our cows are all. No cows or bulls are slaughtered, hmm? and uh, you can get raw milk from us too. Raw milk, um, raw organic, hymnsa milk, and we grow our own food, and we're gradually developing. You know, I have two other. Monasteries, ashram in California, and Costa Rica, Central America, sustainable projects. So, uh, anyway, living in the forest, but you don't have to move to the forest, or that's the typical metaphor for giving everything up. Hmm? Does that help? Yeah, something like that. See how you could misconstrue. You could say, Swami said we should give everything up. I'm going home. I'm going to sell everything. Say no, but the Swami can say, Well, wait a minute. Do you understand what I mean? So.
everything, you know, a little gradually. You have to start, start to give, hmm? and then refine the object of our, in which we repose our giving. Hmm? There will be more getting in the form of understanding that comes as the object of our giving is refined hmm? to a more perfect object, which would be an object that can take more and in, and in taking, return it in a way that the giver could not. So, anyway, we've talked for some time. I'll ask a question. What time is it? 8.30? Okay, so was we've gone too long, right? Okay. So maybe we have a little kirtan, and, and I hope to meet you again sometime. Thank you very much. People... <coughs>